Last week during our online worship service, you know, I was teaching about Peter's failure and his sin, and I noticed that many of you commented in the chat about how much you can relate to Peter. And honestly, that's the reason I chose to teach through Peter's life this summer, because there's something so relatable about Peter, isn't there? I mean, we can all see ourselves in his life. He's got these moments of great faith and courage and success, but then it seems that he has these equal moments of total failure as well. And we can all relate because we all have our ups and our downs, our highs and our lows. And last week we left off with Peter denying Jesus during his crucifixion. And this was Peter's lowest moment. But we pick up the story of Peter's life today and a little bit has changed. Jesus has been killed on the cross, but then three days later, he's risen from the grave and he appeared to Peter and he told Peter to go back to Galilee. And today we pick up the story and Peter is back in Galilee. And now he's wondering what comes next in his life. And I know that for many of us, when we find ourselves caught in sin, in our moments of failure, we think, you know, what comes next? How can I move forward from this? And if you're here this morning and there's something that's in your past that haunts you or plagues you, and you're wondering if God can still do something with your life, our passage today, John chapter 21, it's for you. And I want you to know today that your failures are not the end of your story if you are surrendered to Jesus. You may feel like you've blown it and that your story is done, but because of the resurrection of Christ, your story is never over. And so we pick up the story today in John chapter 21. It says in verse 2 that Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which are John and James, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, guys, I'm going fishing. And they said back to him, they said, well, we'll go with you. And they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, if you remember our very first message in this study on the life of Simon Peter, then you remember that this is exactly the situation where we first met Peter. He was in a boat, he was fishing, and he wasn't catching anything. And that was three years prior. And I want you to think about Peter's life for the last three years. It has been an adventure. He walked with Jesus. He heard Jesus' teachings. He witnessed His miracles. He shared meals with Him. Peter had been side by side with Jesus all that time. But then at the very moment when Jesus was being executed unjustly, Peter bailed and he denied Jesus. And because of this, Peter feels shame and disappointment. And here he is three years later, and he's right back where he started, in a boat, not catching a thing. And I don't know about you, but there have been so many times in my life where I have stumbled in my spiritual walk, and often it feels like I just end up right back where I started. And you know, I think Peter probably felt like this. He probably thought, you know, hey, it was a good run. I walked with Jesus for some time, but you know, I'm, now I'm back to the old me. I'm in the exact same place doing the exact same thing. It was fun while it lasted, but I'm just back to the old me. And our sin, our failures can cause us to feel like we have forfeited any spiritual progress in our lives. Sin can make us feel like we're right back where we started. And this is where Peter was, and this is how he felt. But the beauty of this story is that Peter's story doesn't end here. Verse 4 says that just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore resurrected Jesus, yet the disciples did not know that it was Him. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered Him, No. 
And he said to them, well, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Now, again, if you remember the first message in this study, this is exactly what happened before. Jesus calls to Peter, gives him some instructions and then provides a miracle of fish. You know what that tells me? That tells me that, yes, Peter might have been right back where he started. But it also tells me that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. Jesus had called Peter to a new life once, and he's doing it here again. And this is true for you and me. We often think that because of our failures and our sin that Jesus gives up on us. But if he was gracious to call you once, he is gracious to do it again and again and again, just as he did with Peter. And it says that at the very moment that the disciples hauled in a load of fish, verse 7 says that the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, Therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garments for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land, but they were about a hundred yards off. This is amazing. I mean, Peter As soon as he realizes that it is Jesus on the shore, Peter jumps out of the boat and starts swimming as fast as he can. Peter, he's got to get to Jesus. He can't wait to get to Jesus. And he swims to the shore and he stands to his feet and he walks onto the shore. And then he sees something that would have stopped him in his tracks. Verse 9 says that when they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. You see, the very moment that Peter got to shore, the first thing he saw was a charcoal fire. And to you and me, that may seem like a small detail, but to Peter, this was huge. And he would have noticed that charcoal fire right away. And you may think, well, you know, it's it's a charcoal fire. What's the big deal here? And for you and me and to the other disciples, that may seem just like another detail, but not for Peter. When Peter saw this fire, this charcoal fire, he would have immediately had a flashback to his moment of greatest failure. A flashback to that exact moment when he denied Jesus. You see, in our message last week, we saw that when Jesus was being arrested, Peter went and he warmed his hands over a charcoal fire. And it was at this fire where Peter denied Jesus. John 18 tells the whole story. It says, Simon Peter followed Jesus, but Peter stood outside at the door. And the servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And Peter said, I'm not. But verse 18 says that now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Peter was standing over a charcoal fire the very moment he denied Jesus. And now when Peter swims to Jesus and stands on the shore and saw Jesus cooking over that fire, the sight of this fire, the smell of this fire, the feel of the heat from this fire would have taken Peter back to that precise moment where he was most ashamed of. And don't we all have moments like this? Don't we all have triggers that remind us of our worst moments? Maybe it's a song or a place or a smell. It's events that we look back on with shame and they distract us from moving forward or they 
paralyze us in our pursuit of Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. We want to move forward with our lives, but we just can't believe we did that one thing. And now that one thing for Peter is exactly what Jesus is making him remember. Man, it's so painful to look into our past, isn't it? But sometimes that is what Jesus must do to bring us to a place of healing. We can't run from our mistakes. We can't hide from our sin. And Jesus makes Peter stare his most shameful moment right in the face. And can you imagine the embarrassment that Peter feels before Jesus as he sees Jesus standing over that fire? But what Jesus does next is beautiful. It says, verse 10, that Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And Jesus said to him, Come and have breakfast. Jesus takes Peter to the place of his deepest pain and regret. And then in his grace says, Why don't you come and have breakfast with me? I forgive you. I still love you. I still have a plan for you. And I refuse to hold your mistakes against you. And you will not be defined by your biggest mistake, Peter. Even in the face of his most shameful moment, Jesus is still calling Peter into a relationship with him. And watch what else he does. Verse 15 says that when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, you know I love you. And then Jesus asked the same question, Peter, do you love me? And Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus asks a third time, and Jesus, uh, Peter, do you love me? And the third time, Peter gets frustrated. He says, Lord, you know everything. Of course you know that I love you. And each time Peter answered, Jesus responded in the same way. He said, well, then, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. And do you catch what Jesus was doing? Peter denied Jesus three times on the night of his crucifixion. And now here, Jesus gives Peter three opportunities to confess him. Jesus is restoring Peter. He's forgiving him. And not only that, Jesus is reminding Peter of his calling. Peter, feed my sheep. Lead my people. I told you that you would be the rock on which my church is built. So lead my people. What grace! Not only has Jesus forgiven Peter, but he believes in him enough to be the one whom he entrusts his mission and his church. And some of you think that because you've messed up in your past, maybe God might be willing to forgive you, but you think you've disqualified yourself from ever having a life of real purpose, and you've accepted this lie that because of your past, you'll always be a failure or second class in some way. But I need you to know today that not only does Jesus forgive, but He restores. And not only does your shame not disqualify you from the forgiveness of God, but it also does not disqualify you from the purposes of God. Jesus wants nothing more than to call you, forgive you, clean you, restore you, and then send you back out into His world for His mission and His purpose. And it does not matter what shame is in your past. God has a future for you. On the cross, Jesus put your sin and your failures to death. Colossians says this, He set aside, nailing it to the cross. And at the resurrection, Jesus gives you new life. You see, at the cross, Jesus purchased Peter's forgiveness. But right here, The resurrected Jesus restores Peter to a new life. And now look what Jesus says, verse 11. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, Peter, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Jesus basically tells Peter, Peter, I'm choosing you to lead my church, but it's going to cost you your life. 
He says, your hands will be stretched out and you'll be led where you don't want to go. In other words, Peter tells, Jesus tells Peter, you're going to be nailed to a cross just like I was. And history tells us this is exactly what happened. Peter was crucified on a cross under Emperor Nero because he continued to preach the gospel. And you think this would be horrifying news for Peter, and I'm sure it was in some way, but I also think maybe this was redemption for Peter. I mean, he had rejected Jesus during his crucifixion. He was weak in that moment, but now Jesus is giving him a second chance, and Jesus is telling Peter, you are not a coward. There will be a next time where you will stand for me, and next time around you'll be brave. And this time you'll be willing to die for me because you are greater than your past mistakes. You may have been a coward then, but I'm giving you new life. I'm giving you new courage and you're going to go all the way, Peter. And so that's the story. And here's what I want you to take away from this morning. One point sermon, and that is this. Your greatest shame can become your greatest story or your greatest shame can become your testimony. That sounds simple, it sounds cliche, but it is true. No matter what your story is up to this point, there is hope that God is not finished with it. Jesus never gave up on Peter. Peter's failure did not disqualify him from the plan that God had for him, nor did it demote him to a lesser plan. You see, the story of Peter doesn't end with his colossal failure. In next week's message, we're going to see a new and improved Peter, a Peter that is courageous in the face of danger, a Peter that is faithful in the face of temptation. And the rest of Peter's life would be marked by courage and valor and boldness. And Peter is going to live out a story for the rest of his life. And he's going to be able to say to others, look, I wasn't always courageous like this, but the grace of Jesus transformed me. And Peter could point back to his failure and use it to demonstrate God's grace. He could say, hey, look, I was a coward. Let me tell you the story about this time I denied Jesus, but I want you to see now that I'm courageous because Jesus showed grace to me. And all throughout the Bible, we see God's grace transform people's stories. Grace transformed Zacchaeus from a greedy tax collector to a man of great generosity. Grace transformed Paul from a murderer of Christians to a man willing to be murdered for Christ. Grace transformed a demon-possessed man into a man possessed with telling the world the good news of Jesus. Grace transformed prostitutes and tax collectors and drunkards and sinners into committed followers of Jesus. In In the church, we call these stories testimonies. And many of you watching right now, you have powerful testimonies. And many of you can join with Peter right now and say, Hey, I once was this. But God, being rich in mercy, and because of His great love for me, I am now this. I'm not defined by my failure, but I'm defined by the grace of Jesus. And that's why we can sing with tears in our eyes, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. You know, I I skipped my first two high school reunions. Uh, for a number of reasons, really, but in part, it was because of shame. There were just too many charcoal fires, so to speak, among my high school memories, too many reminders of past sin and failure. And truthfully, I've always been a little bit embarrassed when I run into high school friends and they ask, well, what do you do now? I feel like such a hypocrite when I tell them that I'm a pastor. You know, so often I've just avoided these conversations altogether and really just avoided my hometown because I don't want to have these conversations. But The truth is my past mistakes and my sins and who I used to be actually serve as an opportunity to tell others about the grace of Jesus and how He has changed me. Yeah, I used to be that, I can say, but God didn't give up on me and now He's done all these things in my life. Yeah, I I did all that, but because of the cross of Jesus, 
Jesus no longer holds those things against me. And because of the resurrection, I've been able to move forward with my life and become the man He's calling me to be. And that can be your story as well. See, Jesus did not come into this world to hold your mistakes and failures against you. He came into this world to restore you, that you would be saved through Him, His death and His resurrection. You see, because Jesus defeated sin and death, your greatest shame can become your greatest story because it allows you to point to Jesus who extends grace to anyone who will receive it. That is the good news of the gospel, that no matter what is in your past and no matter what you've done and no matter what shame or disappointment or sin you have committed, Jesus stands ready. The resurrected Christ stands ready with nail-scarred hands, and arms outstretched open wide to forgive you, to welcome you, to to clean you, to restore you, and to give you a new life and a new purpose. No matter what your story is today, no matter what shame is in your story, Jesus wants to tell a better story with your life. And just like He restored Peter and He gave Peter the courage to go and proclaim the gospel, Jesus can restore you and give you a life that is committed to proclaiming His name and His glory. And so church, I want to pray for you this morning that you would receive the grace of Jesus, that whatever charcoal fires are in your past, that God would use those moments of sin and He would cover them with His grace and with His blood, and that He would turn those moments of shame into powerful testimonies that attest to His goodness and His glory. And so let me pray for you, church. God, I pray for anyone who is watching this and listening. I pray for the Christian who is watching this and is discouraged at their sin. I pray that you would remind them that their sin was paid for at the cross and that at the resurrection you rose to give us Holy Spirit power and new life. And God, I pray for the person watching this that may not have a relationship with you. They've never taken that step of faith and become a Christian because they're not sure that they're they're capable or they're not sure that they're good enough. I pray that you would show them that no matter what they've done, said, thought, whatever, that because of the cross, you can forgive any sin, and because of the resurrection, you can give new life to anyone who receives it. And so, God, I pray that we would receive the truth of Your Word that says that for God so loved the world that You gave His only Son, and that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have resurrection, eternal life. And it's in the name of Your Son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.